Let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to minister your word. And God, as we uh, meet around this word, Lord, and pray, Father, that every heart and every ear will be attentive to your word. God, that uh, this word seed will not fall on uh, bad soil, but it will fall on good ground. Lord, that it will reap a harvest, that it will accomplish what it set out to do. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the congregation. Thank you for the members of this church, Lord. Continue to strengthen them and be with them in Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, Amen. Amen. My message this morning, I guess, is about willing vessels. Willing vessels. And, uh, you know, brothers and sisters, did you know that the greatest crisis in the church is this? And I truly believe it. That we are not creating vessels of God that matter. That we are not creating vessels of God that matter. You see, when vessels operate outside of the power of God, nothing they do matters. Nothing they do matters. Drawing a, a crowd does not matter. Having a large social media platform is irrelevant. Emotionally moving an audience in meaningless, is meaningless, why? Because those vessels are firing blanks. Firing blanks. Now a Christian leader said this about 50 years ago, he said, I have a burden that relates to the flood of evil that the devil is pouring into the world. This was 50 years ago. And at the same time, the passivity or the acceptance of what happens without any active response or resistance by many of God's saints, as they view this state of affairs and their ignorance of the part that God expects them to play in his warfare against Satan. You see, church, most of us understand that the Torah or the Bible contains or carries divine ordinances, precepts, instructions, and is a life source. And it's a life source of the unadulterated Word of God to all mankind. You see, the word Bible uh, in children's language is basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. In other words, it's not a book just filled with information, but it's a book filled with eternity-centred, Holy Ghost-inspired instructions revealing the pathway which pertains unto life. And church, I believe that most people in church don't really want truth. They don't really want truth. They just want constant reassurance that what they believe is the truth. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, um, one part of that scripture is certainly not indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. And the Bible also says to us today, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. We have to tune our ear, we have to tune our spiritual ear to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. 
It's time to awaken. It's time to arise. And so friends, I've come this morning to speak to the hearer. The ones that are listening with their spiritual ear, that are listening with their heart. And I've come to speak to your heart this morning. And you pray this prayer after me. Can we pray, you pray this prayer after me. Just, just close your eyes and look away to the Lord. And you say this after me. Lord, right now, I speak against and shut off all distractions that try to affect and enter my spiritual ear from hearing your word this morning and that you, uh, sorry, and that your word will take root and be established in my heart and that it will not return unto your void. In Jesus' mighty name and all the saints of God said, Amen. Let me ask you this morning, can you ever imagine what God would say about the church today? Did you ever imagine what God, what God would say about the church today? Is there a system at work in the church that prevents God from creating effective vessels? Is it possible that Satan uh, helped to set this system in place? What if the world system is actually operating in some churches? Maybe that, that uh, might that explain why some preachers are silent about the world system. You know, we, we went through COVID, a period of COVID, where this should have pushed, pushed us closer and closer to God. But all of a sudden the church went to sleep. You know, it's, as Julie said, it's preparation, restoration time. You know, not going back to the same old, same old. Yeah. We've been going around that mountain for too long. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to move on. Hallelujah. Yeah. Are they self-peddling the truth because they are empowered or even funded by their global agenda? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion. It's not the author of confusion. But Satan does not stop here. Believe it or not, the devil wants false vessels. He wants false vessels. He wants voices that claim to be from God to speak lies in order to distract the army of God from their intended purpose. But more importantly, more importantly, from ever forming. From ever forming. We're meant to be the army of God. We're meant to fall in the line. We're meant to... Hallelujah. We're meant to come together. We're meant to align back to, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. You see, these false vessels have caused many to fixate on predictions that never come to pass. You see it all the time. If you give this, you'll receive this. 
If you buy this book, you'll receive this. You'll receive something. Never happens. But when they do, when they, when they do not, the false prophets merely move on, unrepentant to the next false prediction. And some of them dare us to prove their silly descriptions of heaven are false. When in fact the burden is on them to tell us why boring and not original elements of American and now would world pop culture will, will be in heaven. When the Bible clearly says this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, it says this, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And you may, you may ask, is there still hope? Is there still hope? Can we do anything about all of this? Can we create powerful weapons of God? Well, the answer is a resounding yes. But this is where, they, this is where those who, who have no heart for the truth will turn away. And so if you really truly want the power that the devil dreads, if you would be willing to cast off every excuse and renounce even the hidden works of darkness, then you will find your place among those who are the dread of demons. You know, my, uh, my superintendent, Pastor Ray McMartin, often came to, used to come to, when he'd see me, he'd say, you're bad news. You're bad news. You're bad news for the devil. And I tell you, I hate everything about the devil. And it's time that we did too, folks. Hallelujah. I'm bad news, you know. And I want to tell you all this morning that you all look like God. Brother, you look like God. Julie, you look like God. Julie, you look like God. Me, I look like Elvis. No. No, that's not right. Praise the Lord, I look like God. Hallelujah. And so we are God's people and we are the sheep of his pasture. Amen? And so is there still hope? Yes, there is. And so you will find what the Christmas carol calls a voice as big as the sea. And your voice will be that which inflicts devastating damage on the works of the enemy. I want to tell you, that, the, that we have to really understand and know what, the, what power that we really, power and authority that we really possess. I'm telling you, if you have faith of the seed of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And I've taken God at his word many times. And when we called him, spoke to the elements to fill our river and it did. We prayed for four inches of rain and we commanded the river to come alive, to wake up. We commanded the land to wake up and come alive and it filled our river exactly four inches of rain.
And so I just want to share with you the ways of true vessels of God. Vessels of God are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so it all begins with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You see, no purpose, no plan, no message will prevail against Satan without the infusion of the Holy Ghost resting up on those who would be true vessels of God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And so Jesus gave the Holy Spirit the power to administer the work of God in the earth. And he would not let the disciples leave Jerusalem without being first filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, the tarry ye in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is like your hometown. Wait there in Jerusalem till you're endured with power from on high. Hallelujah. So to wait for the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost came upon them and then they were sent out. Hallelujah. And so Jesus gave the Holy Spirit the power to administer the work of God in the earth. Amen. And so he says in chapter, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, vessels of God are created for a specific purpose. Created for a specific purpose. And so the operative word here is because. Because he said. Because he said. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. You see, vessels of God are mighty not just because the Holy Spirit is upon them, but because they know why the Holy Ghost is upon them. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's not just about the Holy Spirit being upon you, but why is the Holy Spirit being upon you? Hallelujah. And because they are raised up to handle, these vessels of God are raised up to handle specific threats And they are at first strange to the church. Even Billy Graham baffled church leaders when he began preaching. You see, without Barnabas, the Jerusalem church would not have known that Saul of Tarsus was truly converted and called by the Lord to be Paul the Apostle. Hallelujah. And so the constant challenge of a true vessel will be to protect their focus and their identity they must resist the pull of, the, of church culture. They must resist the, the pull of church politics. And they must resist the pull of compromise. While at the same time, they must remain teachable and accountable to righteous leadership. Can you say amen? You see, the next one is vessels of God are soul winners. Vessels of God are soul winners. You see, church, any preacher without a deliberate plan to reach lost souls is in disobedience. Hello? I said, any preacher without a deliberate plan to reach lost souls is in disobedience. Any minister who never calls sinners to Christ in their meetings may not even know Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul the Apostle said to Timothy, But you be watchful in all things. 
endure afflictions, do the work of the of evangelists, fulfil your ministry. Hallelujah. All put in a nutshell. Do what God has called you to do. And so vessels of God will call out false ministers and false doctrine. And they will even name names. You see, there's a mistaken notion in the church that we are not to correct false doctrine. You see, this lie has done serious harm and has left the people of God vulnerable to the enemy. And if we consider the fact that if we were to remove remove the, the parts of the New Testament that handle false teaching, we would be taking nearly 60% of Paul's letters. So most of it was about correcting false teachers. Hallelujah. False doctrine. Can you imagine if Paul were around right now, what kind of letter we would be getting? Huh? Can you imagine that? And yes, in the early church, they did call people out by name in order to warn the sheep who the wolves were. Second Timothy chapter four, verse 10 says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Christians for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. And in 14 and 15 it says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Called him out in the church. He did me much harm. And this, this is what he said. I thought it was a bit, bit sharp, you know. He said, may the Lord repay him according to his works. It's a bit sharp. Well, that's, that's a rebuke. And you also must be aware of him for he has greatly resisted our words. So he's about, went around doing his own thing, leading people astray. And so in the book of, um, the third letter of John, chapter nine, sorry, nine, third, there's only, only one chapter, nine or 10. He said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes who lo loves to have the preeminence among them does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, well, which he does, prating and carrying on against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren, and forbid those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Now, that's excommunication. Hallelujah. You see, vessels of God operate in true supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Can you say amen? A man by the name of David Wilkinson, you probably know him, he said, if Paul had preached and taught without signs and wonders following his message, he would not have had its full impact. And it would not have been the gospel fully preached. And he said to the Corinthians, Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in some God moved with brokenness. They moved with brokenness and, and reverence, always turning their attention away from themselves, hallelujah, and toward Christ. 
Sadly, yes, there have been gross abuses of the gifts of the Spirit, but that does not mean that we should shy away from seeking the true gifts, amen? And we note Paul's words in this verse, signs, wonders and mighty deeds. I can't wait to get church to get back to that. Hallelujah, when we're operating in that. Signs, wonders and miracles are wrought by the Lord, amen? Hallelujah. You see, most Christians today cringe when they hear these words. Why? Because these words have been made an abomination by unscrupulous, power-hungry preachers and teachers. And we've all been listening to them. And we've been listening to them faithfully. You see, the great tragedy is that such perversions have caused many of God-fearing pastors, evangelists and lay people to turn away from the, tr- from the truth of a fully preached gospel. Beloved, God is still God. He's still on the throne. Hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he is mighty in working miracles and wonders. We had a miracle just the other day. We, were, we had a meeting in uh, Moama and there was a lady there, she had breast cancer and um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. The hair had fallen out and uh, she was, we prayed for her, rebuked that thing out of her, pulled it out of her life and um, the next, was it yesterday or the day before? Wednesday, she went back to the doctor and um, it was all clear. There was nothing there. She didn't have to have an operation. And then the doctor said to her, um, but you have to come back for chemo. And she said, why? I'm ill, aren't I? And then he said, yes, you are ill. So he agreed with it. And she said, I ain't coming back for nothing. You know, I'm, I'm healed. Wow. And uh, yeah, she was just talking to her the other day and um, just telling the story yes, yesterday. What a mighty God we serve. Signs, wonders and miracles. And I tell you, my wife was on fire. She actually ministered that night. And um, God just uh, moved. And there was another young guy sitting down the, way down the back, just sitting very quietly by himself. And then uh, he was one of Pastor Henry's crew and he was sitting down the back and uh, next minute, the Holy Ghost came upon him. Never spoke in tongues in his life. Never felt the Holy Spirit. Always hung around church, but never really entered in. And God just began to touch him. He was a cigarette smoker. Delivered, just like that. Delivered from smoking. Been smoking for about 40 years. And he began speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. That's the kind of meetings. That's the kind of church that I want to have. Amen. Hallelujah. Signed wonders and mighty deeds. Hallelujah. Do you love God this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
And so God is still our healer and he's still our deliverer. And he wants to show himself strong on behalf of all those that trust in him. If God has birthed the passion in you, if God had birthed the passion in you to be a true vessel of God, then take heart. Take heart. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen? Take heart. Why? Because he would not have awakened that passion in you unless he was going to fulfil it. He would not have awakened passion in us if he wasn't going to fulfil it. Hallelujah. You see, society needs a message. It needs a message. Society as a whole, as a whole all over the world is always weak and under the control of the devil. And the world he controls love darkness rather than light. You see, Jesus taught his disciples to live a life of love, to live a life of compassion, to live a life of forgiveness and to live a life of service to others as well as to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Friends, the world is under the control of the devil who is the God of this world. Society is already under the control of the enemy and God allows it, allows it until the final judgment. But thanks be to God, we who are the redeemed sons and daughters of God, who are also ambassadors of Jesus Christ, are designed to represent His government, not just to rep represent His government, but to represent it in word, to represent it in deed, and to represent it in power. Amen? You see, this gospel that we preach is a power gospel. It's a supernatural gospel. It's a kingdom gospel. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. And to an unredeemed world, to get as many people as we can reconciled back to God that they would become saved. Amen? Why don't you give a shout of praise to God? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Unfortunately, the church is in many ways lazy and content in hearing more words from preachers that move us emotionally, maybe even stimulate us in some ways academically, perhaps spiritually, but just doesn't move us to action. You know, I've, I've, I've been in, in churches where people just sit. They're not, they're more of a, um, spectators than participators. Yes. And they're like fridges and they don't move until you turn them on, <laughs> you know. And, um, and I've been in meetings where it's just completely dead. The life of the Spirit is not in it. But I want to tell you, this church has been awakening, there's awakening happening here right now and it's, and it's rising upon you people. Yes. Amen? Yeah. It's arising. Hallelujah. It's moving. And so the only true and accurate message for the world today according to Jesus is this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
and all who believe in Jesus from the, will all who believe in Jesus turn from their sin and obey and they follow him. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All who will endure and overcome will be saved and all others, the faithless and the unbelieving will be condemned to eternal damnation lest they repent. And so society like us all is born in sin and shaped in iniquity and loves darkness rather than light. And this is true all over the world. It's all over the world. We were at one time darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. Let's shine as lights in a dark place as it is that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Vessels that the excellency of our power is not about us, but of God. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. And that the glory of God is on display through us as we go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed of the devil, just as Jesus did and commands us to do also. You see, friends, society is going just the way that God said it would. It's going just the way that God said it would. Hallelujah. You see, you and I cannot change God's written agenda. God's written agenda. What He has declared in His Word that He said He will do, He will do. Our job is to do what His Word has instructed all of us to do and continue doing until Jesus comes. Can you say amen? You and I, you know, just, just uh, our job is to do that. Just like uh, the late Reinhard Bonnke, he said this, and he would often quote it, is to empty hell and populate heaven whilst we have life and breath in our lungs. Amen? You see, friends, I've searched the Scripture, the New Testament, and can't find where Jesus or his disciples preached their opinions. But one place where Paul said, this isn't God, it's my opinion. Now many preach their, their opinions like it's God's word. Hallelujah. And I'm glad that song came on this morning, that song, sang the song this morning about revival. And I want to talk about revival. Revival and its benefits and its costs. And I'm nearly finished. You see, it's the classic sales line, isn't it? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Any good salesman worth his salt will be smiling now because he knows his stuff. And answer, and answer this one successfully. And you've got a deal. So it is with the revival. So it is with the revival. We have talked about it till the cows come home. We've talked about it. We've sung about it till the cows come home. And we've discussed it continuously. And we've prayed for it for years and years. And many, including us, have had a taste of it. We've had a taste of it in birth. Julie spoke a little bit about it this morning. And yet to most of us, it's just hot air, 
in the wind. And the prophets have asked if we will pay the price. Will we share the harvest? Will we sacrifice our carefully planned and costed programs? But do we really understand what it is that we are praying for? Do we really understand what it is that we're praying for? What it is we say that we long for? What the real cost will be? What really is in it for us? And so firstly, what's the true cost of revival? And so in short, it's this, late nights, upheaval like we've had nightmares about, serious conflicts in the congregation and so much more. So let me spell that out a little bit for you. The first thing that happens is that the presence of the Lord manifests heavily. And some call it the glory falling, whatever it is. During these times, time actually disappears. Hello? Oh, but you might be saying in your arm, I work, I can't spend all that time. Well, you're either in it or you're out of it. Prayer and worship goes on all night. Morning meetings continue all day and all evening. Nobody wants to stop. And this brings, brings an instant upheaval, a holy chaos, messy church that some folks will not like one little bit. And when revival happens, you'll have people coming in, sitting in your seat where you used to sit. And they'll come with all tattoos all over them and rings in their nose and, and whatever. All tattooed up, face all tattooed up, dreadlocks in their hair. And they're going to take your seat. And this is what I mean about being uh, about upheaval in the meeting. And you're going to kick and cuss and do whatever. And it may even cause a minor split in the church with quite a few deciding to leave because they simply don't like the change. And there are going to be more seats put out that way. On, put out that way. Put over to the side, over that side. Hallelujah. And we're going to have a great time in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. No matter what. I'm telling you, it's no time to be sitting on the fence. It's time to dive in. Hallelujah. And others from outside will be attracted and while, whilst around a third may leave, up to half again will join, and thus the church will grow. And those who do try to keep up with everything will find themselves very short of time for anything and everyone will have to learn to pace themselves as it will cause family conflicts as well. Mm. Oh, you should be home. You should be home. My, my kids needed milk. You should be home. You should have went down the shop and got it. Conflicts. I thought you were coming home at this time of the night. 
Why is this so late? Why is it so late? You're never this late. That's, I'm just saying. And so, but even so, if, when all that happens, the pluses are greater than the minuses. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We'll be so caught up, so caught up in the spirit, in the spirit of things. It just doesn't matter anymore. Things just don't matter anymore. And so secondly, what's really in it for us? In short, on earth, as it is in heaven. Miracle signs and wonders. The manifest presence of God. Thousands upon thousands coming into the kingdom. Endless prayer and worship meetings. A return to integrity and personal, personal holiness and so on. And the list is long. And the church will start to grow at a fast rate. Thought needs to be given to discipleship training and, and uh, leaders. Signs and wonders will abound everywhere. They will be spontaneous and can occur anywhere. In short, church gets noisy, it's unpredictable, it's very messy, and basically completely taken over by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And uh, you know, you read about the accounts of revivals that are happening all around the place. Uh, that have happened in past times and, and uh, you know, God just did some wonderful things and miraculous things and, and we hear revivals, uh, there's a revival going on in Israel, would you believe? There's a revival going on in Uganda. There's another revival going on in Kentucky. God is beginning to move, folks. So we need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen? It's gonna be poured out upon Australia. Hallelujah. Amen. But it was God doing what God wants to do. Hallelujah. What God wants to do with his church in order to revive it. God wants to revive us, folks. That song was sung so beautifully this morning. Revive us again. Revive us again. Hallelujah. But can we handle it? Can we handle it? And just a few things on what revival is not. Revival is often associated with re renewal or a reawakening of spiritual or cultural values, but it is important to understand what revival is not. Sorry, what revival is not, yeah. Revival is not a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. Revival is not just a single event or moment in time but rather a continuous process of renewal and growth. The second thing is revival is not a magic formula. Revival is not something that can be conjured up through a specific set of actions or rituals. It's a work of the Spirit of God in the hearts of people. Can you say amen? The third thing is revival is not just for the past. While we often talk about revivals of the past, the work of God is not limited to history. Revival is possible today and in the future. Can you say amen? The fourth thing is revival is not just for a select few. Revival is not something that only a certain group of people can experience. Revival is possible. Sorry, it's available to all who seek God and His ways. The fifth thing is revival is not 
a substitute for personal responsibility. Revival does not excuse us from our individual responsibility to live according to God's work and to work for justice and righteousness in our world. Amen? The sixth thing is revival is not just about the emotional experiences. While revival can be a deeply emotional experience, it's not just about feelings or emotions. It's a work of the Spirit that transforms lives and communities. Amen? The last thing is revival is not a guarantee of success a guarantee of success. Revival does not guarantee that all problems will be solved or that everyone will respond positively. It's ultimately up to individuals to choose whether to, to, allow, uh, to follow God's ways or not. And I believe I can have revival. I don't know about you, but I believe that we all can have revival, amen? And so I'm not stopping it until I see it in all of its messy glory. And so this is just a brief look which really doesn't scratch the surface of true revival. I for one can't wait. Come Lord Jesus, come. And church, in closing this morning, here is a great promise for you as true vessels of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20 to 21, it says this, In a great house, there are only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And so church this morning, let's focus right. Let's get, our, get a right focus on being true vessels of God, fit for the master's use. Amen? Fit for the master's use. And God bless you all. Amen.